Welcome to the Cody Onions Podcast. This is Bobby Shaw. I'm super excited to present to you the second volume, volume two of the best of the Cody Onions Podcast with some amazing leaders as a part of this segment. We have my first ever franchisee that I worked for in high school that I spoke with a couple years ago, Art Phillips, an amazing conversation with him. Chris Cargill, who was my HR manager at Freebirds Wool Burrito. We have restaurateur Danny Azzarello, who operates Cracked up in the Northeast. We have Steve Mangano. Steve runs a nonprofit called the North Carolina Partnership to End Child Hunger. He's also an accomplished restaurateur and hotelier. We have my son, Jake Shaw, that I had on the podcast a couple summers ago where we talked about why culture matters. We also have an incredible clip with Jason Brooks, COO of Zalot Pizza, also talking about culture. We have Chef Jeremy Barlow in Nashville, Tennessee, who has run iconic concepts like Taste and Sloco and is also an author. He wrote a book a few years ago called Chefs Can Save the World. It's an excellent read and we talk about that. We talk about food and uh, just a wonderful clip. I also have Louis Rahill on my podcast uh, as well on this episode. Just a wonderful, wonderful conversation with Louis where we talk about his journey as a leader and what made him want to become a leader and also a great coach. I have Max Cotton from Dodo Brands uh, as well, who is the chief storyteller there. And it was a great conversation with him. And what I loved about the conversation with Max was just the transparency with which not only he shared information, but with what their whole company shares information. I think you'll totally pick that up from this clip. I also have a clip from my first ever podcast interview with Matt Mitchell who is a Culver's franchisee, former McDonald's executive. Matt and I go back 30 plus years. And in this short little clip, you'll hear Matt talk about his passion for his people, how he's connected with them, and what he's trying to accomplish in the culture he's creating in that organization. I also have the amazing Paul Tran, who's a restaurant consultant and also a franchisee for the Halal Guys out in Los Angeles great clip with Paul talking about culture and why culture matters. And then I wrap up the segment with Priscilla Mendoza, who's a Chick-fil-A franchisee in Cedar Park, Texas. And we're talking about the importance of hiring well and not hiring for the short term. So wonderful episode ahead of you. We've got about 32 minutes of clips and I'm really excited to share this with you. And without any further delay, here you go. And we'll see you on the other side. the clip from my conversation with my first franchisee from McDonald's, Art Phillips. Art and I had a wonderful conversation over lunch a couple of years ago. Obviously, him being the first real leadership influence in my life outside of the home was a very special conversation for me to have with him. And in this conversation, we talk about his journey as a leader, wanting to own a McDonald's, which he eventually did, of course. He owned multiple McDonald's but also the importance of surrounding himself with the right people. So here's the conversation I had with Art. Enjoy. 
I think I was too young, and uh, this was only my technically my second job. Okay. Um, and I, I had no idea where it was going to take me yeah. to or anything like that. Sure. So, um, you know, I had to, you know, find my way with that, and um, it just. Uh, you know the way the system was set up and designed uh, it was easy to fall in love with you you, you experienced that yourself I did and um, so I uh, you know I wound up uh, you know whenever I asked uh, the manager what, what do I got to do to run one of these to own a McDonald's right I had made my mind up yeah, that time up. that I, yeah. I wanted to uh, so, you know, it took nine months call it so yeah so you over the years have been such an incredible leader, really an icon in the industry. Uh, I know to me and to really the thousands of people that you've led over the years. So as you think back over your career, if you could just share one, just one leadership tip that you think has helped you the most and that you've seen help other leaders, like what would that tip be? Like what would you share? Well, first off, I, I, I was nothing without my people, okay? So keep that in mind. Being able to um, select the right people, and by doing that, I really felt as though I knew what my strengths were, but I needed to find somebody that had a different strength than what I had. Right. I did not need people that was going to be yes people. Yep. I wanted people that would challenge me, uh, not be afraid to challenge me, and um, so that was Every time I was out, I'm looking for people's strengths and uh, um, and how does that fit with with my strength and uh, you know if it, if we're equals on strengths, how can I use them in a different part? Don't sure. want to discount them or anything, right. but how can I use them? In a, but as far as the big picture of growth and the strategy of uh, building the business, you know, I wanted to have people that uh, uh, weren't yes people that uh, weren't afraid to really just sit down and say, uh, have you thought about doing it this way? Here's a great clip from my conversation with Chris Cargill, my former HR manager for Freebirds World Burrito. In this clip, Chris talks about his start in HR and how important it is to keep yourself open to opportunities that you may not even know exist. This is such an inspiring conversation. I wanted to share it with you. Chris shares how his transition from customer service to HR happened. Here you go. It so. was December of 1996. Okay. I was at a, a party with a radio station of course you were. Uh, team. Very good friends of mine um, used to work in radio in the Bay Area. And um, I attended a Christmas party with them. And across the room um, at the house that we were at, uh, I was told that this gentleman was going to be starting, um, hiring rather, customer service people for a new startup, which actually was the very first online auction house oh, on wow. the internet. Wow. Um, yeah, that makes sense because that would have been right before the internet really yeah. exploded. Yeah. And so I, before then I had worked at Macy's, I had done other customer service based jobs. Everything I do to this day is customer service. Of course based, it is, right. That's what interested me in getting a chance to talk with him. So because I was at this random holiday party, I was able to meet him. That's incredible. I got the interview, I got hired, literally besides the two founders and their team of six engineers or software developers, 
the rest of us, there were 15, I think 12 or 15 of us, started in one room in one room in customer service. And then the day came, we did that for about three weeks. And then the day came and, and he said, okay, we're gonna branch off. We're gonna start a sales team. We're gonna start HR, we're gonna do marketing. So myself and my very good friend, as I mentioned, uh, she was selected to lead HR. I was the HR generalist working for her. And that's how I got my start in HR. Wow. And like I said, we built everything from the ground up. Now, obviously building a handbook it, back then, and I still work with outside legal um, representation sure. to make sure we have a proper handbook, but that's how I got my start. Here's a clip from my conversation with restaurateur Danny Azzarello and our conversation regarding culture. And Danny does a great job of tying it back to family. This is really inspiring. Enjoy. Um, you know, culture is family. And, and um, as I spoke about before, right, we, you know, staying up until two o'clock in the morning and playing cards um, had the most, you know, deepest effect to me as, as I kind of, you know, grew up later in life. Um, because there's certain, there's certain, you know, experiences that you go through um, that you can't really, you know, duplicate. You can't, you can't really talk about, right. But you go through with certain people, whether it's a, a crazy shift, uh, whether it's a, you know, a guest that was out of control or, uh, maybe it was the best dish you made or an incredible catering experience on Fenway park. Um, those things are special and, and, and it's special, like, you know, staying up to two o'clock and playing cards with your family, you create this bond. Um, and I think as you create that bond, um, on its own, it creates this culture of having each other's backs, you know, and always, you know, when you show up to work, you know, you can say to yourself how this day, you know, this day is going to be great because, you know, Liam's working or Carlos is working or Johnny's working or, you know, Domi yeah. and Roselle. And what, I mean, you know, and so I think as you, as you, you know, teach people, Hey, it's not, listen, we're not here, you know, to just, you know, worry about ourselves. We're here to make a team. Um, and, and culture isn't something you can talk about. I can't just walk in and be like, all right, well, everyone, you know, this is what culture is and this is how it's going to be. You have to, you have to act upon it. Uh, and right. you have to be the one to create that. And so, so many times, right. When you see the expansions, right. What happens? Well, you know, you pull out a GM, you pull out a manager, uh, and the culture just, just crashes, right. Because the, the MIT that was on board was on board for 60 days. You know, he or she doesn't really understand, you know, um, how to speak to people or how to talk to people or talk to guests or uh, be proactive with their shift. And all of a sudden, you know, morale starts to crash, right? Oh, you know, Danny left. And so now we got to worry about this, that, and the other. And it's not the same. And, you know, they never buy us popsicles anymore or they never buy us Gatorade or they don't let us eat, you know, whatever we want. You know, and so you, you see it so many times. But I think, you know, for, for me and for us, um, it's about family, you know. And, and when you yeah. join on to Cracked, you're not, you're not a team member, you're not an employee, you're family. And, and whatever it takes, um, you know, to ensure that you're safe, um, that your, your personal life um, is at, at the at best as it can be, and whether that means, you know, we'll help you, you know, to ensure that, um, you know, you're, you're good on your feet, you know, financially, um, mentally, whatever. I mean, you deal with a lot of things these days, you know, anxiety and mental illness and, 
and you know we're not just going to turn you know, turn our backs to it right we're going to we're going to assist on getting people on their feet um to ensure that you know they can live a really great life uh and so i think that's you know that's culture that's you know just when people walk into this building you know they know they're 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 coming to their family right they're they're it's just like um you know like i said before sitting there and playing cards till two o'clock in the morning we're here to have fun we're here to take care of each other uh and if anybody you know kind of doesn't see that well they they don't really fit the plot that well and and, and they'll remove themselves pretty quick um but you know like i said you know we've 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 had success with it and that's what we'll continue to do we're fair um and you know it's 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 worked out Here's the clip from my conversation with Steve Mangano. Steve is an accomplished restaurateur and hotelier in North Carolina and also operates the nonprofit North Carolina Partnership in Child Hunger. I think you'll enjoy this a lot. I know I did. In fact, you'll hear my excitement in this clip because we actually stumble into the conversation about his nonprofit, which was not at all the reason that he and I were even have a conversation this day, but it was so worth it. Enjoy. That's fantastic. I did not know that about you. That is really great. I didn't know you ran that nonprofit. So can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. It's uh, North Carolina Partnership for Child Nutrition and uh, our focus. So uh, I, I can take up the whole show talking about this topic, but uh, I'll try to, I'll try to, be <laughs> uh, I'm really passionate about it. Um, but basically, you know, with school meals, everyone's trying to fight the lowest common denominator, which means a little bit of money, that causes uh, lower quality food, uh, and then you end up in this vicious cycle. And part of that vicious cycle is the kids that, particularly in Wake County, where we are not a high free and reduced lunch, where, where I think we're slightly under 50%. Uh, so you have the other 50% who do not actually then buy lunch at school. They choose to opt out. Basically, their parents uh, make it for them, or in the older grades, they, they go off campus. Um, and so what you end up in a scenario where you're losing this revenue, right? And not only do you use the revenue, but you're creating this equity problem. And so now there's a stigma around the kids who are actually eating free and reduced lunch versus the kids that are either bringing their own or going out and buying. Uh, and then the data is there's a lot of kids, particularly in the older ages that are on free and reduced or eligible for free and reduced lunch that actually don't eat it because of that stigma. So now you're exasperating hunger. So you have hunger, equity, and then obviously nutrition. And to me and, and our organization, there's kind of a simple way to solve it, which is to get all those kids that aren't eating to eat at lunch at school. And that puts a lot more money in the system. It allows less people to opt out. Um, and when people don't opt out and they opt in, they actually care then about what that food is. And you're, you're actually thinking then as a business. What I always say is if I owned a restaurant, and 50% of my customers brought their own lunch and just sat there, I'm not going to make money, right? And that's really the case you have in many school systems today. So we try to reverse the process. We're trying to work with the county and others to just make, elevate the food so we get more people engaged. And by getting more people engaged, we solve all those other problems. Here's the clip with my oldest son, Jacob Shaw, who is a operating partner candidate for Raising Canes here in Kansas City. Jake and I had this conversation 
couple of years ago, and it was so inspiring for me as his dad to sit down and have a conversation talking about leadership development and culture. In this clip, you'll hear Jake talk about why culture matters. What was super cool about this conversation is this was just right around the same time that I'd interviewed my first franchisee that you heard earlier today, Art Phillips. Obviously, it was a full circle moment for me to be able to have Art and Jake be a part of conversations with me as I'm talking leadership development and culture. Super inspiring. So here's the clip with my son, Jacob Shaw.
continue to learn a lot, um, but I think that's the most important one is that it's not just a job. These are human beings. We're all susceptible to, to different influences in life. And it can really help someone grow and achieve things that they never dreamed of achieving. Here's a great clip from my conversation with Zalot Pizza COO Jason Brooks from just in April of this year. In this clip, you'll hear Jason clearly define what culture is and all of the things that support that culture. But at the end of the day, it's how we treat people every single day. This was such a great conversation and I was so honored to have the conversation with Jason. Here you go. I, I think culture is really almost everything. You know, I mean, we sell right. pizza to make money, but we're really more in the people business. You know, I mean, pizza is the product that we sell, but we don't use robots. We don't use a, <laughs> uh, a conveyor belt. It's not a frozen pizza that you just pop in the oven and it pops right out. I mean, this takes love and care. And I think you can actually taste the love in food when you know someone prepared it with love. Totally and so in order for them to put and pour love into the product that we're selling, you know, we've got to take great care of them and pour love into them. They've got to feel good about what they're doing and that their work matters. Um, so I, I think culture is really just all about that feeling that you have. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things I think you can do to support a great culture, um, you know, open and transparent communication. Uh -huh. um, you know, we have obviously shared values. Um, we've got supporting materials. We've got a, you know, a great interactive website where all of our employees can, you know, get on and, and, you know, post pictures or communicate directly with myself and the founder. And so, you know, I think all that helps. Um, you know, a poster or a, a sure. website, I think that's all supporting materials. But deep down, I believe that culture is the way that people are treated on a day to day basis. And that becomes your culture. It really does. The way, yeah. I mean, if the way that people are treated on a day to day basis don't match up with the poster on the wall or what the website says, then then that that's not authentic and they're going to lose faith in that real quick. So, you know, we do a lot of things. We have a culture crew where we have an hourly uh, employee from each restaurant that we get together on a quarterly basis. We, we make a big deal out of recognition and, you know, uh, a gracious employee of the quarter program. And so, yeah, I do think that those are important things, but at the end of the day, it's really all about how people are treated on a day-to-day -day basis. And my general approach to that has always been um, a kind with people, but tough on results. So we wanna have high standards and take a lot of pride in, in the pizzas that we serve and the cleanliness of our restaurants and the service that we're giving our customers. 
but we're going to go all about that in a kind and respectful way. Here are a couple of clips from my conversation with Chef Jeremy Barlow from Nashville, Tennessee. Chef Jeremy has run some iconic restaurants, as I mentioned in the introduction, is also now developing a new pop-up concept called Frice Cream in Nashville, Tennessee, in the neighborhood of 12 South. I had the pleasure of getting to actually work part of a day with Jeremy a few weeks ago, and it was super fun. You'll hear his passion come through in this clip loud and clear as we talk about food and what it means to people. And also, how do we turn the tide between the environmental damage that we're doing now to food and farming and all of the things that go into creating sustainable agriculture and how we make it more sustainable? So this was a great conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, food is is the uh, life connection, right? Like every everybody, everybody, every culture, all of their experiences, particularly with family, but even with everywhere else, center around food. That's I mean, right. It's just it's just how the world works. It's like, and that stems from, you know, back in the days when uh, when we went from hunter gatherers to you know civilizations and it started with farming which brought us together which brought the community together around bounty and eating and i mean it started way back then when we really started to form our civilizations and um and it hasn't changed you know the the way that groups are made up have changed right but everything still happens around the table you know so we're no longer following that uh you know source everything from california mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know the organic hydroponic farms or even those organic green farms are doing just as much damage to the environment (laughs) as the high chemical farms because they're killing so much, you know, they're killing the dirt, which is the real issue. I mean, there's no easy solution, right? But from what I've seen and everything I've gathered over all the years, you know, if we can, you know, take what we've learned from, from fast food, Yep. which is how we learn to centralize production and master economies of scale and just, you know, tweak it to regional where we're doing the same thing, but regionally, you know, we will increase jobs. We will decrease environmental, you know, injury. And, you know, we'll do all the positive things we need to do and still supply everybody with quality food. Here's a clip from my conversation with Louis Ray Hill. Louis is an accomplished restaurant executive, a food safety expert, and an incredible consultant in the restaurant industry space. I really enjoyed my conversation with Louis. He has such a compelling story. And in this clip, we talk about his background on the soccer field growing up and learning how to be the best coach on the field, even if he wasn't the best player. He also talks about the importance of doing the work. You're going to really enjoy this. Here you go. You know, it was early in my life on the soccer field, actually. Um, I wasn't the biggest kid. I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't the fastest. 
but I figured out if I can lead my team on the soccer field, the coach could not get me out of the game because he needed a captain on the, on the field. So I, I've learned it's like I'm not here because I'm the best player. I'm here because I can get those people work together to, to accomplish a certain goal. Uh, so it literally started but about 11 or 12 years old. I realized that if I wasn't good enough to be the best player, I can be the best coach on the field. Um, and that's, that's, my, that's how I started. In the restaurant industry, it started because, you know, when uh, you start working as a server, you know, everybody has a station, people fight over stations and people do this. Uh, so I, I helped organize the staff and help them work together to accomplish certain goals at the end of the, each day. Uh, so that's how I learned early on that maybe, you know, I have passion for this. Maybe I need to do this. When I went to the health department, I knew from day one. I went into it, honestly, it's almost for selfish reason. From day one, I wanted to be the manager, right? And I was willing to work overtime. I'm willing to work on Saturday, Sunday, whatever it took to be the leader of the health department. So when I worked there, um, I went back to school and got my MBA, business administration. Um, and I, where I focus on two things, focus on marketing and consumer behavior, right? Because I thought if I could market my department better, if I could market my skills better, and if I could understand the consumers and I could understand my staff, nobody's going to stop me, right? And that's, that's really those three moments in my life, the soccer field, in the restaurant, in the health department, where I realized I wanted to be a leader and I was willing to do the work to get there. Here's a clip from my conversation with Max Cotton, chief storyteller for Dodo Brands. Max and I had an incredible chat back in April, and I really enjoyed it. And what I really love about Max and his organization is the transparency with which they operate in every single aspect of their business from publishing their daily sales on their website for everyone to see in the world to this interesting conversation regarding publishing the ratings that they get for their delivery times for their Dodo Pizza brand. Super, super compelling. I know you'll enjoy this. Here you go. Thank you. At some point, we started to, started to collect lots of tons of data on, uh, on, on every shop, on the entire uh, company uh, uh, in terms of like customer reviews. And uh, what we did, we started publishing these uh, averages all right on our website. And uh, for, the, for, for, for every shop that uh, in, in, in the chain. So for example, if you log in from, from a certain city and you go to our page and uh, you choose the city as your like, destination, as your location, right. Right, you see the rating of this particular shop that 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 will serve you, and it it is uh, it's 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 not like tweaked with it's it's mm -hmm. this, it's it's the rating that 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 you get right. It As is it what it is, right? It is what it is. Yes, and that, that's that's uh, and also it uh, we have we measure uh, delivery time, and we also show uh, delivery time as it is. So, for example, if it's 40 minutes, it's 40 minutes. It's 50 minutes, it's 50 minutes. It's 20, it's 20. 
this is your the idea here is that okay some 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 someone would say well well if 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 a customer will see a bad rating they will they won't uh, like or um, place an order and uh, well we will be losing money as a brand and uh, i as a franchisee for example right but um, this is this is a wrong thinking you totally have to agree. provide you have to provide uh, the best service the yep. best product and uh, if you try to hide it, so if you if you if you don't publish this number, this ranking on 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 the website, it doesn't mean that your your job is you're doing a better job. It's just you you are not seeing it, you are not acting on it, right? So transparency makes you act because you you now you you realize if your like delivery delivery time average delivery time is like fifty minutes. In a world where everyone expects a delivery in 30 minutes <laughs> and the customer like log, log in on this website and sees like 50 minutes and they will go away right and so you know as a as a as a, as a businessman you know that this will happen and so you are transparency forces you to uh to to act right to do something about it so excited to share this clip from my very first podcast interview ever with Matt Mitchell, one of my great friends from over 30 years ago. Matt is a Culver's franchisee, as I mentioned in the introduction to this podcast episode, but Matt is so much more than that. He's a developer of people. He creates opportunities for people that otherwise wouldn't exist. And he just has this heart that is as big as the state of Texas. So enjoy this conversation this clip of this conversation where Matt talks about already seeing his leadership team take form, take hold, and uh, just the passion with which he speaks with his uh, of his team. Just a side note, I've had a chance to work with Matt personally in his Culver's restaurants, and I've seen this firsthand. So here you go. see my board of directors kind of developing in front of me just they just rise up they're just there and they're in key spots and they're taking on more than i ever dreamed they would and way more than they ever dreamed they would but i think that's the that's the thing is how big can we make it we're curious about it yeah and, and maintain it and when we do yeah oh my gosh what's gonna happen absolutely what, what's how many cities you know how many people can we help how many how many bad days can we make good? How many times can we be there when someone's going through the ter- the terrible crisis of a lifetime? They lost a loved one or whatever. That that somehow we can soften the blow or, or just be the shoulder, right? You know, or a financial help or whatever. Yeah, that's that's what we're curious about and excited at, at, at the same time. Here's a clip from my conversation with restaurant consultant and franchisee, Paul Tran. Paul and I had such an amazing conversation about culture, and you'll pick that up in this conversation, in this clip, as you hear him talk about it and work through it in his mind and realizing that culture is a journey. So powerful. Enjoy. I mean, I think culture is really important because um, I think nowadays, you know, with so much competition and so many concepts and so many companies and so many economic things working against you, you know, having a really good product or service is just not good enough. 
and it, it's all about the experience. Right. It's all about so many other senses that get tackled. So, you know, you can create the world's best, you know, viral foodie item, but it's not backed on by a, a story that people can stand behind or a belief or um, the way the workers are treated and the way, the way they in turn treat the customer experience. Um, and if it's not something that, um, you know, I, I guess if it's not something that, that just you feel like you can stand behind and be a champion of, um, then you're going to be, you, you know, you're going to be hard pressed uh, by other companies that are willing to go the extra mile in, in championing those ideas. So I guess it's, you know, it's it's a it's it's a competitive advantage, but it's also um, there. There are so many. Again, there's just so many. Uh, there are so many things that could that could uh, take people's attention away. There's always going to be another better company. There's always going to be a better product. So, right. But always going to be better something. And the only way you're you're really going to not just get customers, but but get like loyal fans who live, breathe, eat, sleep your brand, and they're willing to drive past 20 other similar offerings to get to you is because they, 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 they believe that food, food or product service is just the baseline. Uh, being treated well is just the baseline, but like, what do you believe? And how do you treat people? Uh, what do you stand for? Uh, and uh, how do you, you know, what do you believe that other people are afraid to believe in? Uh, there's just so many other things that that are being championed that that smaller companies or mom and pop shops just aren't willing to uh, champion or they just don't understand that it's something that needs to be embodied as well or, or you know they'll they'll end up you know being in a sea of other has-beens or me too's and and can't stand out and differentiate so i i mean culture is it's hard to measure but it's super important Here's a clip from my conversation with Chick-fil-A franchisee Priscilla Mendoza in Cedar Park, Texas. In this conversation, Priscilla talks about learning the hard ways we all do, what happens when we make a hire for the short term and not the long term. She unpacks some real wisdom here that I'm excited to share with you. Enjoy. I went through the process where it's like, are you thinking you just need a person to take this position, right? Like to, to be in this specific, to be a cashier, to be, um, and, and through failure, I learned that, you know, I, we spend more time trying to change habits or trying to change behaviors. Right. When you can, if we can start from the very beginning yep. and set that up in the hiring process. 100%. And so, um, so it started probably with failure of me not understanding that aspect, right? Um, and very quickly seeing like we're spending more time correcting behavior when if we could just select um, team members that this is something that's in their DNA also, right? And so... Um, so yeah, it, it started early on, um, and it started through a failure of, of realizing, you know, what are we, what's going, you know, wh where's the process breaking down? Yep. And and it, and the re the answer was from the beginning, right? Let's start from the beginning. And so now it's um, it's funny when I interview somebody at the end of the interview because 
you know, people come in and they say, you know, I like Chick-fil-A, I like it to on Sundays. So these are all reasons why they applied for Chick-fil-A, right? Everybody always looks happy, right? Like, right. And so they're, and so, you know, part of my process is telling them, let me tell you what happens behind scenes, yeah. right? And yeah. that, you know, we are a restaurant, right? right. And we serve, you know, I, I try to do interviews right smack in the middle of lunch. Yeah, it's a great thing So they thing can see, right. you know, this is what it looks like. and for them to see other people doing that. You know, I tell them about all the not so great jobs that could yep. that they may have to yep. to do, right? Which we're a restaurant, so we want our bathrooms clean, you know, we want our dining room clean. There's people, you know, things get spilled on the floor and Absolutely. we have a playscape that needs to be cleaned and a lot of screaming children <laughs> uh, running around. And so talk to them about that, that process and then, um, and then I have a kitchen that, you know, I could have 34 people in the front counter serving and only a handful of nine or ten people in the kitchen. So that team's working three times harder right. than, you know, than everybody else. They're not only helping one guest, they're helping the guests at the counter, in the drive through yep. in mobile. Um, and so creating that, are you willing to serve them? Right, they can't step away. So, can you, would you be willing if you're going to the back to grab a drink? Are you going to offer them a drink too? You know, or or, or make sure. Right. You know, we want to take care of that team because that's our foundation, is our kitchen. Um, and so, setting those expectations of what we expect um, that when it does get busy and it's hectic, and guess what? Something just happened in the bathroom, and I need you to go clean it. They're not surprised. They're not. Right. They, they know that. But it's at the end of the at the end of the application process, I give them the opportunity to take their application back. And, wow! And so, and I can tell you that you know, of all the interviews I've done, there's probably only been about three that have said, "Yeah, I don't," you know, I didn't know it. It ha I had to do all that stuff, right? Or right. Um, and so, and it's great, right? Because it's like I'd rather know now yep. that that's not something you're willing right. to do. Then surprise you later and say, you know, and, and and you not be aware of it. And so those that do, you know, that for the you know ninety right nine percent of the people that have said, you know, I still want to work here. Right. Um, when the things happen, they do it with a smile. They knew they knew that those things were going to happen, and I think that's so important. And and I think sometimes we fail when we don't set those expectations and let them know exactly you know, what's going to be expected of them. And then in return, I, I share with them that they will never be yelled at, right? We're going to, we'll learn from our mistakes and yep. we will make mistakes. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're going to try to create the best environment that we can for them. And we're going to teach them skills that they can take to any job that they ever want to do. Yeah, um, no doubt about it. And so I think that, that that helps with, you know, just in that the beginning process. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Cutting Onions podcast where, wow, that was super fun, where we uh, listen to some of the wisdom that so many of my podcast guests, all my podcast guests have shared uh, so many times over the last several years. And it was fun to put the second volume together and going back and listening to these episodes myself, I just get inspired all over again. Looking forward to the next round of Cutting Onions podcast interviews. If you know of anyone that I should be talking to in the industry, please feel free to drop me a note. 
and I will happily reach out to them and schedule time to chat with them on my podcast. You can just send me an email to Bobby at BobbyShawConsulting.com or you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me pretty much anywhere on the World Wide Web. So thanks again for joining me today for a review of these conversations and getting to hear some very brief but powerful clips around culture and leadership, which was really the focus today and really what I wanted to really key in on today and tried to pull those clips um, that would support that. But I'll tell you what, um, great conversations and great leaders in the industry. Super proud to have had them all on my podcast. Thank you all very much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Cutting Names Podcast.